Hello and welcome to the RBC Broadview Campus Sermon Podcast. Our mission here is loving God, loving people and seeing lives change. At RBC, our heart is to build a Jesus-centered community to see lives changed in multiple languages and locations. We hope you enjoy this message from one of our weekend services. To find out more about us, please visit our website, rbc.org.au. As I said before, my name is Andrew, and I'm one of the pastors here. Um, And we are finishing this week a small series that we've been doing over the last few weeks, looking at worship and what that means for us. And um, as Miri and I kind of looked at this series together initially, there's so much actually we could say about worship. And um, I was quite amazed actually last week at how much Miri was able to kind of fit in to something that I know is very close to her heart. Um, as I, you know, was sitting here and, just, oh, and then she's talking about this and then she's talking about that and that's good and, and that's good and that, like, there's so much in there. So I really want to encourage you to go back and to have a listen to um, our series podcast. If you haven't listened to our podcast before, they're up um, most weeks, they're up. And, um, you know, this series is up there at the moment as it is. One of the things I wanted to share to you about, about worship today, I wanted to begin with a bit of a bit of a confession, a bit of a disclaimer. We, um, in our men's life group this week, were talking about confession. And it was amazing because I'd been away earlier on this week with a group of pastors, and the topic that they wanted to talk about was confession. And so it's a bit of a thing. It's something that we see in James 5. It's a really important practice for the people of God. And, and I think sometimes we've got them a bit mixed up with the way maybe medieval history went about and a whole bunch of things. So I'm not talking about kind of getting into a little box with a priest and confessing. I'm talking about honesty before your friends and your family and your church family. And this, uh, today I'm talking about worship as obedience And I first want to thank God that worship is about obedience and not about practice. Because I know that as a follower of Jesus, and I know that as um, a pastor and as your your pastor, that I, I don't get it right. I don't get it right a lot. I don't get it right a lot as a husband. I don't always get it right as a dad. I don't always get it right as a pastor. Sometimes it feels like, like for you, I would imagine, that you muddle your way through. You do your best, you pray, you learn, you grow, you make mistakes. And, um, you know, Rachel and I have been here now for just over three years. Two of those years have been COVID years. And we haven't always got it right. But I think that's okay. I think that's okay. I think it's okay that all of us don't get it right all of the time because what I believe is the heartbeat of worship is obedience to the Spirit. It's an openness before God to, to, to listen and to enact what you believe and what you feel His Scripture says, what you feel His Spirit is saying to you as best as you can. And then the grace of God covers all of that. I think so often we can get that mixed up. We kind of feel like we have to be some superhuman We have to be something more than what we are. But the incredible thing about Jesus is that he meets us where we are. And that's what this story that I want to read to you from Mark 10 is about. 
Mark 10, chapter, um, Mark 10, verse 17, onwards. Now, my Bible calls it the rich and the kingdom of God, and I don't necessarily think that's everything it's saying here, but I want to read it. From verse 17, it says, As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good. Except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all of these I've kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. At this the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and they said to each other, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Let me pray. Lord, as, we, as we've opened up your word this morning, as we continue to explore it, I pray that you would unveil to us a deeper sense of what it is to worship you, what it is to follow you. I pray that today would be a really honest moment, like we've already been sharing in, a really honest moment of each of us before you, where your spirit is able to come and speak into our lives and transform it. Lord, I pray that you would take my offering of what I have to bring and that you do so much more, immeasurably more than the eloquence of my words, Lord, that you, you come with a deeper truth and a deeper knowledge for each of us, Lord, that comes straight from your throne. Lord, that each of us will be transformed and changed by you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we are, as I said, bringing about um, our short three-week series on worship to a close. And like both um, Reuben and Miriam have said and also taught, there is so much about worship that we can find as we look through Scripture. And it would be really easy for us to make the mistake that everything we have heard, everything that we think about worship, is about the doing. The stepping up and doing the hard or uncomfortable things, getting our thoughts right, our speech right, being sacrificial in our giving or our time and our energy and our finance or other actions. And in many ways, it is. Because sometimes these take place, that sometimes these are the actions that take place, the rhythms that we place in our lives, because they are an act of worship. They are the overflow of what's happening in our heart. And today I wanted to finish this series and, and land on this point that there, um, before we enter into Christmas and Advent and all that means, by the foundational thing I think is behind all of worship. And that is obedience. 
You know, a couple of weeks ago, Ruben gave us a working definition of worship to begin um, with, and this is by the author David Peterson who wrote this. It said, The worship of the living and true God is essentially engagement with him on the terms that he proposes and in a way that he alone makes possible. The foundation of worship is engagement with God. This story that we've read today, the story of the rich young ruler, is a story of encountering Jesus. It's a story of engaging with Jesus. And I think this story speaks to this working definition of worship that I've just read. Obedient worship requires engagement with God. It requires saying yes to his leading and stepping out in faith and trusting him to empower us and to provide for us and to make a way. Let me say that again. Obedient worship requires engagement with God. It's not something you can do separate to God. It's not something you can do kind of at arm's length from God. Obedient worship requires engagement with God. You would have heard if you were here last week in Miriam's story again and again, her own testimony of response to when God spoke into her life. And as she engaged with him, what she then did. More important than what she did was the fact that she engaged first with God and then God spoke into what happened from then onwards. Obedient worship requires engagement with God and it requires saying yes to his leading. It requires stepping out in faith and trusting him to empower us and to provide for us and to make a way. You know, before I go much further, one of the things I love about this story is I find it really easy to relate to. I think it's a story that doesn't just talk about the rich, it kind of talks about the whole human condition. It talks about all of us with the desires of our heart. Our own wanting to lean on ourselves, our own wanting to follow what we think is a good pattern rather than to follow others, our own desire to Um, follow our own kind of leading and our own agenda rather necessarily than to follow God when he interrupts it and speaks into it. You know, there's something within me and maybe there's something within you that wants to be in control, that wants to kind of figure out really the basics of the rule of life and then try to like attain that myself. A plus B plus C equals D. And God says, well, what about Y? No, 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 God, we don't do Y. A plus B plus C equals D. You know, since buying our house um, in Windsor Gardens, we've been doing some renovations, really to just make it work better for us and to make it a place where we can have people over. We've got a a wall that's going to get knocked out in a couple of weeks' time. Um, And after much thought and much research, we decided to buy some buildable bookshelves from Ikea for our library. Now, normally we'd kind of go to Ikea first, but we went, no, we're going to get a quote for a full library bookshelf, and then we're going to look at other options on Temple and Webster and all these other websites. And in the end, it was, what about Ikea? Which was, yeah, that would be what we used to do, especially when we first got married. 
Um, and we wanted to put these in our sitting room um, as, a bit of a, as a bit of a library. We have so many books and we still probably need to buy more shelving. It's ridiculous. Um, and we've done a bit of a hack to them. So basically, they, we bought them and they're like, they look nice, but I reckon if we change the whole backboard and paint it in a different colour, that would look good, kind of Matty Lucas style. Um, and so we did. So I, you know, before putting them together, I painted it and did it the right way, um, modifying the back panels to make them nicer, and now it's kind of three of the same kind of type in a, in a row. There's bookshelf and bookshelf, and then the same style, there's this kind of cabinet in the middle uh, with shelving inside of it, but it's all the same type. It's all a Hemnes from Ikea. All right, that's the important thing to remember, Hemnes. Anyway. Anyway, so I did the first two, and that was going great. And then I went away, and um, I came back to do the last one, and I'd already done the first two, and another week had gone past, and I really wanted to get this because I was also going away again. And so I really wanted to get this done for Rachel. And so this time I went, I'm not going to bother with the instructions. I've done this before. And I pretty much remembered how it worked. And so I just got on with building it. And you know, if you've used IKEA instructions, they're pretty, just generally pretty simple. There isn't any, even any words. Um, and, um, but there can be some differences if you truly look at the pictures in some of the panels holes that are in some bits and other bits that, you know, they don't really point out. You have to kind of look carefully at the pictures and you're not going to look carefully if this is your third time around. Um, some panels have three holes, some of them have four. Anyway, I was halfway through building this bookshelf when you can guess what happened. Suddenly I couldn't figure out why I had a problem this panel, this last panel to put in, didn't line up. The holes weren't in the right place. Um, didn't line up with the screws or the dowels or any of this sort of stuff. And I was trying to get it done without Rachel seeing. So we'd come home and she'd see it all. Um, or she, she was home, but she was in another part of the house. Um, and I couldn't figure out. And I went back through in my head, what have I done? No, no, nah, it's making sense. Um, it just couldn't figure it out. Um, and I got to that point where you can get to desperation, where you actually look at the instructions. So I look at the instructions and I realise that I'd put the wrong panel in and I wasn't just one step ago, it was pretty much all the steps ago, but it was pretty much built and um, it would mean that I have to pull the whole thing apart and swap it over. I didn't want to do that. <laughs> um, I honestly sat there and considered pressing on anyway trying to make it work, trying to figure this out. How can I do this? How do I not do what the instructions tell me and just finish this? Um, and I realised in common sense that wasn't going to work. And I also knew that with my OCD kind of nature, I would look at three of them and know one of them isn't put together properly, even if no one else can see it, and that would bug me. Um, and I would always know that it's built wrong. The bookshelf would be there looking at me every morning, saying, why don't you love me? Why won't you put me together properly? And so I pulled it apart, hoping that Rachel wouldn't walk in on that moment and see me doing it. I can still sometimes be a boy trying to impress a girl, and that's what I was trying to do. But of course, that's the moment when she walks in. What are you doing? Ugh. And that's why I can relate to this story from Mark 10. This man's golf, goal, not golf, Volkswagen golfs are awesome, by the way. Anyway, um, this man's goal was eternal life. 
in Greek is the Ananias life, which means life from the age to come. Life of the fulfillment of all things. Knowing the kingdom now in his life and knowing that he would be a part of its fulfillment when it comes. This was his goal. See, Narnia's life that Jesus talks about in John 3, 16, for, the, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. This was his goal, but he knew somehow that he was doing it all wrong. Somehow, something, even though he's following the pattern, he was doing the thing, something was missing. Something that he saw Jesus had, clearly, because he ran to him and he knelt before him and said, what must I do? Obedient worship requires engagement with God And this is what he did. He engaged Jesus. He fell on his knees. He asked Jesus, what must I do? The ruler in this story, for all that we look at at its conclusion, he did the first part. He engaged Jesus. He stepped in to a life of worship in that first step and he began by engaging God to hear his voice and to know his will. And you know, the fact that he could do that shows us the character of God. Because Jesus was there. He was walking on the earth because God is wanting to engage with his people. The story of scripture is that God is speaking. He's always speaking. He's always engaging with his people from Genesis to his arrival in Jesus. We can see the books of the prophets are about God wanting to engage with his people and his people engage in return and listen to his voice. He arrives in Jesus. He incarnates himself and walks the earth so that people can hear it from his mouth so he could be there so he could make a way. And from Jesus going back to the Father, to the pouring out of his spirit until he comes back again, worship for us is possible because God has made it possible for us to engage with him because of what he has done, because of what he is doing. He's always making the first step. And so the ruler in this story could come and he could run and he could fall on his knees before Jesus because Jesus was there in his midst, because God came to his people, to his world, to make a way for us. And he is here today too. He is here today too by his spirit. Maybe you've heard his voice already. Maybe in that moment just before I came up, there was a moment where you heard him say something. Maybe there was, when you got welcome at the door, I wonder if there's been a moment today where you felt God wanting to engage with you. Revelation 3.20, God says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and eat with that person and they with me. He's calling. He's calling. Will you open the door? Obedient worship begins by responding to the Holy Spirit. 
The rich man came with a question, one that his life clearly showed was important to him. He had been living a good, sacrificial life. He had been doing everything he felt was right to do. He'd been following the law. He'd been living out the Torah. And yet in Jesus, he knew something was missing. Or maybe he could just find the affirmation that he longed for. And in the most important of ways, he did find that affirmation. Jesus could see his desire, he could see his life, he could see his sacrifice, he could see his obedience to the taught word of God, and he says to him, follow me. He gave the same call that he gave to his disciples, the call that would change their life and the call that would change the world. This man was invited in, come follow me. He was included in Jesus' call. Abide with me. But this doesn't happen. We know this doesn't happen in this story. And why is that? Because Jesus is also saying to the man the same thing he's said and taught all the way along. When he says things like, the greatest commandment is, and he's quoting Deuteronomy Deuteronomy 6 verse 5, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind says it in Matthew 22, 37. In fact, Jesus' response is the same that God has always had for his people. And we can read this in Deuteronomy 10, 12. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to love him, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, And clearly this man had a conflict of interest. What Jesus calls serving two masters. And for this man it was God and it was his wealth and his possessions. It was God and money. And he couldn't answer the call to follow Jesus, to find eternal life. And also hold on to what he really treasured the most. No wonder Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, in Matthew 6. You know, Eugene Peterson, another Peterson, wrote about this, about this internal struggle. He says, we care more for our possessions with which we hope to make our way in the world than with our thoughts and dreams who tell us who we are in the world. And that's exactly what's happening here. This man came with a burning question and still left unsatisfied. He approached Jesus because of his deepest desires. He just didn't like the answer. And he forgot about the question because he didn't want what that meant. Obedient worship is sometimes simply, every time simply, saying yes. Yes, because it's God. Yes is that first step of faith. His thoughts and his dreams led him to Jesus. Our thoughts, our dreams tell us of our need to follow God. Scripture tells us that God has placed eternity in the hearts of each of us. We have the fingerprint of God on our life. Our uniqueness, our specialness, our need for relationships all spring to the fact that we need a relationship with God. We are created by him. This is where we find our flourishing. This is where we find who we are in the world. And yet in fear 
and in care for what we already have. No matter how broken that can seem, we can often choose that because we can control that instead of following the leading of the Spirit. And maybe, maybe he thought when Jesus spoke to him, maybe he thought, and maybe you've had this thought, haven't I done enough? Seriously? Haven't I done enough? Can't you see all the things that I am doing? Can't you see how righteous I am? Can't you see all the things that I'm doing and the good life that I'm living? Can't you see the sacrifices I'm making? And we can be like that too. We can do our stuff. We can come to church. We can give to the offering. We can serve in the community. We can keep away from the bad stuff. We can do the Christian things. And you can see in this story that Jesus was asking for one more step. He was asking for more sacrifice. But I think what he was, he wasn't really asking for those things. I think he was asking, do you love me more than anything else? The same question he asked Peter at the beach after he denied him. God has always asked that question. You can see it through the whole Old Testament. Who do you love the most? Who do you trust the most? Who are you putting your life into? Worship isn't about sacrifice. It's about obedience in relationship. This is the question he put to King Saul when he did this beautiful religious-looking disobedience after conquering a people. And the prophet Samuel came to him and says, Does the Lord delight? in burnt offerings and sacrifices? Does he delight in all this beautiful religious-looking stuff as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. To heed, to, to heed God is better than the fat of rams. To heed what God is saying to you is better than anything that looks nice and religious. You might be the best looking Christian. You might be the most religious one. You might be the most reliable one. You might be the one with the most theological degrees. You might be the one who served on every single team and tried every single thing. But worship is asking this one question today. In this moment, what is the Lord speaking to me right now? What is the Lord speaking to you right now will you listen will you follow will you say yes to where he leads what is the Lord saying to you right now the story finishes with a commentary from Jesus and this is kind of where mine gets the title from where he says Children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible. You know, again, it would be super easy to make this about God not liking the rich or like people being rich. And Jesus' brother James, too, talks a lot about the rich, especially in chapter 5 of his letter. But for Jesus and for his brother James, I want to propose to you today that it's not wealth that's the problem. It's why you have wealth. 
Is your finance, your possessions, the ways, buying into the ways of the world that we live in, are they your provider? Are they your security? Are they your identity? Are they your idol? It's like having privilege or power. Privilege and power isn't necessarily the problem. It's why you have privilege and power and how hard you hold on to it, how much you're willing to give it away. Are these things your security, your identity? I love these words from James when he says, our life is a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. That's from James 4.14. And if that's the case, what are we doing to allow God to work in this life that can vanish in an instant? What are we allowing God to do with us together as his church? I'm going to ask the band to come up. In asking the rich young ruler to give all he has to the poor, he's asking him to choose what his wealth is going to be for. Is it for him or is it so God can build his kingdom? His kingdom that has always been for the poor and the vulnerable and the widows and the orphans. This is what obedient worship looks like. It's engaging with God who is knocking on your heart. It is saying yes to his leading. It is stepping out in faith. And it is trusting him to empower you and to provide for you and to make a way. Whatever we can hold on to, whatever it is that we can hold on to, God is asking for us to hold it before him and to trust him with it. To trust him first to allow you to transform, to allow him to transform you by his spirit. You know, when it comes to wealth, the early church was littered with people of wealth, but people who use their wealth for the glory of God, to support their church community, to create schools and orphans, to support widows and orphans in their distress, to emancipate slaves. God makes a way for us when we choose to place our trust in him. He helps us to trust more deeply, to live more fully. What Jesus is saying here, when he says, man, this is impossible. You can't do these things without God speaking into your life. What Paul calls the renewing of your mind. And it begins with a small step of faithful obedience. Eugene Peterson says that the Christian life is long steps of obedience in the same direction. What is your step today? Do you feel God calling you? Will you answer? Do you feel him leading you? Will you say yes and follow to his leading? Do you maybe need to let go of all the sacrifices, the good that you've done in the past, this life of um, perfect Christianity maybe that you've built, the good that you feel that you are, and ask again, Lord, today, what does it look like to follow you? Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today? Is there something that you hold on to, maybe because you like it, you just want it, that you need to let go of. What does faithful obedience look like to you? Is God challenging the way, your way of providing for yourself? Your way of 
getting the most out of being in this world? Is he calling you to think differently? If he's calling you, and I believe that he is calling you, it's towards life. Those who lose their life will find it, Jesus says. Let's pray. Lord, what I love about what you teach us is that we need your grace so much. We're not going to always do things right. We're going to go along our merry way like me with that third bookshelf, thinking that we've got it all together and then find out that maybe we don't. And Lord, you meet us in that place. And Lord, maybe there's people here today who have thought, there's got to be more than this. There's got to be more than the life that I've lived. There's got to be more to the Christian experience than I've had. Lord, I pray right now that they would listen to your voice who is calling them. Lord, I pray that more than becoming a perfect church with all the perfect things, that we'd be a church who is just simply obedient. And Lord, we know that's going to come at cost. But we also know, Lord, that that's where we're going to find life and life to the full. May we be a life to the full community because we are obedient together, Lord. Lord, I pray that each of us every day would be people who say, Lord, speak. I'm listening. Thanks for listening and we hope that you enjoyed this podcast. If this message has impacted you in some way, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us through The Hub online at thehub.rbc.org.au or through our social media links in the show notes. See you next time.